Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, October 27th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippi hits a devastating COVID-19 milestone. Then, 2021 is a critical year for breast cancer awareness. And a ballot initiative for early voting in the state faces an uncertain future. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Today, we're joined by Dr. Jerry Wyland, who's president of the Mississippi's chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. She speaks with MPB's Kobe Vance as the state marks a grim milestone in the battle against COVID, 10,000 Mississippians dead of the disease. It's just a, a, a sad issue. I mean, it's just a, so many of those could have been prevented had we not had an initial 30% vaccine rate when Delta hit, because a lot of that I mean, I don't know the percentages, but a lot of those deaths were from August on. We, I mean, August was the most deadly month of the entire pandemic for Mississippi. So, yeah, it's it's a sad commentary. It's it's. Um, I wish I wish it could have been different. It wasn't for lack of effort, but I wish it could have been different. When you look at how we are right now compared to the summer, what, yeah, what do you think yeah. that says for where we are right now in terms of? what things might look like in the next coming weeks? Well, I mean, it says that we're, we're not getting enough people vaccinated. And again, despite the efforts, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, there's a, there's a lot of angst out there from people for different reasons. I, you know, when I see patients, I always ask the parents if they've been vaccinated. I try to talk to them if they say they haven't to see what their fears might be. And then I tell them what I just told you, you know, 85% of the people who are being put in the hospital now are young people, people who are parents, you know, people who have folks, young folks, depending on them. And anyway, I, I think it's just going to be a constant effort. I, I think we'll keep, continue to try. I know MSMA has, has um, started a program 
to help people with vaccine hesitancy. You know, we just keep doing what we can do. Looking forward, I know things are starting to get a little bit colder outside. People might have more indoor gatherings in the coming weeks. And we also have holidays coming up. How do you think holidays and indoor gatherings might affect trans coronavirus transmission in the state? Now that we do have vaccines among around 50% of our population for at least one shot. Correct. And you then the number we can't, we don't know very well is how many people have natural immunity who have no vaccinations. I mean, we know that some people with natural immunity have also been vaccinated. So that's kind of a, a little hard number to get. So we know that they're, but you know, everybody knows that, well, I mean, I know that if you can't, you cannot really talk about herd immunity until you get way on up. I mean, you know, herd immunity for our other vaccines, our childhood um, vaccinations, you know, polio and all that kind of stuff. You, you, you need you need well over, you know, we're looking at 95 percent. I mean, anything less than 85 percent, you don't have any real degree of her, of herd immunity. Um, so. You know, so we're probably not anywhere close to that. Now, you know, what happened last year, again, I'm not looking at the little chart, but, you know, we had a, a big spike around Christmas and and the new year. And then the spike went down tremendously as the vaccine became available. So I'm hoping that, you know, people will continue to think about getting the vaccine. Um, we do have other we, I mean, we have the monoclonal antibodies available. For, and I tell the I, like I said this morning, I talked to a mom and dad and they weren't really interested in getting the vaccine and I said well let me tell you something you get sick you get tested and make sure you get monoclonal antibodies because you are important to these other children you have I mean you know they had uh, a seven-year-old and a little toddler I mean you know that's who's counting on them and they you know they need to start looking at it in that direction so I think you know there may be another spike around Christmas time I mean people do get together they're going to get together they got together last year even though things were much more shut down than they are this year. Um, I think there's a lot of fatigue for all those public health recommendations, such as masking. And um, even though we know it does help masking, social distancing, I mean, you're just not, you're just not gonna, it's just not going to happen. I don't think this Christmas, I mean, even, you know, even Walmart had a commercial of this. I mean, just let's all get together again. <laughs> you know, so. Will it be possible for families to gather? And if there's an asterisk like next to that answer, like as in like there's conditions attached, um, what could people do to have a safe gathering? Well, a safe gathering is a little bit easier in the deep South because we don't typically have bitter cold weather, even at Christmas time. So the more you can do outside, the better that would be good. Uh, you know, masking is difficult if you're going to be eating because you have to take it off to eat. Um, you know, you do have the smaller children who aren't great. I mean, they're not, big carriers of the disease, but they could give it to you. Um, you, you know, as, as vaccinations are still the answer. Uh, th I mean, that's just the bottom line. We did not get past polio without vaccinations. We did not get in Mississippi where we are with homophilus influenza type B severe disease in children without vaccinations. I mean, just everything. I mean, I don't know what tetanus looks like. We've never had a case. Guess what? It's because everybody's vaccinated against it. We can talk about other things, but honestly, if we don't embrace vaccination for COVID, it's going to linger on and make people sick and put people in the hospital at Christmas. So instead of spending time with your family, you're going to be in the hospital or by yourself in quarantine. 
the FDA met yesterday to address uh, coronavirus vaccines for children ages 5 to 11. What, yeah. what are your thoughts on having that? Exciting news. I mean, just the more people we can get vaccinated, including our, our children, I'm, you know, it, it will still be difficult because not everyone is going to embrace a new vaccine. I've seen that in my practice when the, we've had HPV, human papillovirus vaccine, that reduced the risk in women of 70 percent of cervical cancer. It was still a kind of a tough sell right at first because it was a new vaccine. So, I mean, I'm not I sympathize with parents that are concerned about a new vaccine. I just feel like we just need to continue to tell them that it is a safe vaccine. It's not going to have any long-term effects any more than any other vaccine does. And I hope that they'll want to get the vaccine. And then last question I had for you today is on Sunday, it'll be Halloween. Um, What would be your advice to parents (laughs) and children as they go out and try to have a safe Halloween this year? Well, again, Halloween is one of those that's probably not as much of a problem because most of the activity is outdoors. So I, I can't imagine unless there's that, that this would be as much of a problem as your indoor Thanksgiving or indoor Christmas celebration. So if it's your family stick together, if it's somebody you don't know, you may not want to be, you may want to keep some social distancing. They'll all be wearing masks. so <laughs> That might help also. Dr. Jerry Wyland is president of the Mississippi chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. Coming up, how the pandemic changed the outlook for breast cancer in America. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month in the United States, and this year is especially key for prevention and early detection of the disease. That's according to Jennifer Bennett, who's executive director of the American Cancer Society of Mississippi. Well, currently, you know, breast cancer death rates have declined by 40% since 1989, but you know, we were really making strides in breast cancer screenings and preventing, you know, breast cancer death rates because everybody was able to get to their doctor and we were catching this early. And but here we go with, you know, COVID and that kind of put us at a roadblock. And so now we're seeing the opposite because of COVID and the impact that it has had on cancer, all cancers is that we are going to see the unfortunate side effects of that, and we're going to see those the rates increase. Is it because women can't get treated or they can't, they can't get surgery that might be needed because of the hospitals filling up? That's correct. Well, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't go in to get screened because that stuff, at, you know, when, when COVID was at, at its peak, they shut down all of that. We could not go in and, and get our normal routine screenings or anybody that was getting these mammograms every six months. That was that came to a halt. So we are going to see the unfortunate side effect of that. Has it slowed down enough so that women can start getting treatment and getting diagnosed? Absolutely. That is one thing that the American Cancer Society has really been so strong about coming out of this pandemic. I'm not saying that we're not still in it, but we know that we had to really push return to screening and screening saves lives. 
And we have our message message right now is make sure that you get to your doctor. Make sure that you don't miss that screening. We're doing everything that we can to work with these clinics and these hospitals to make sure that they are putting out um, screening messages. Just myself, I got three letters in the mail over the past month from Baptist saying, hey, you missed your screening during COVID. Please make sure that you come back. And I was so excited to know that they sent me three and it was every single week on a Monday that I got it to remind myself that I had to go in and get my screening. It generally, what is the age that's most prevalent in women being diagnosed? Is it over a certain age, under a certain age? No, cancer doesn't discriminate. You can be diagnosed at 20. You can be diagnosed at 17. You can be diagnosed at 70. But, you know, the American Cancer Society has these guidelines, and we want to make sure that you know, if you are seeing someone or if you have a history in your family to please make sure that you are talking to your doctor about your history so you are able to get your mammogram and you are able to get screened earlier prior to your 40 or 45. It seems that breast cancer gets more awareness than any other cancer. Has that helped in, well, we have to put aside the pandemic for a moment, but has that helped decrease the number of women who have been diagnosed with breast cancer? You know, it's funny you say that, Karen. Um, it's not funny in a sense, but I just um, was talking to someone prior to you about how we have commercialized breast cancer. And breast cancer, everybody knows in the month of October or leading up to the month of October, what's coming. We're all going to wear pink. Football players, you know, everybody is going to go pink. So how do we do that for the other cancers? Is that was our conversation just, you know, just a few minutes ago. And um, I, I believe the awareness piece of pink and us commercializing pink has played such a wonderful factor in women being able to get diagnosed early or being a reminder to go get screened. I think if we could get all cancers to that space of whether it's a it's blue or whether it's white or whatever or yellow for you know childhood cancer if we could get those other cancers to the commercialization of the pink space i wonder what that would do to the decrease in being diagnosed early is it still a a standard of care that would include a mastectomy or a lumpectomy chemo radiation or is it not a one-size-fits-all. It's not a one-size-fits-all. I wish that is something that I could share with you, but it's not. You know, we have social determinants that really play a factor here. We have access to care that plays a factor. We have, you know, um, hereditary that plays a factor. We have your environmental um, issues that play a factor. So there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to any type of cancer. What preventive measures should a woman take? I would really just say make sure that you are getting in front of your doctor, making sure that you are being open and you are honest about any type of breast cancer that is in your family, making sure that you hit that screening, that you don't avoid doing self-check, self-diagnosis. You know, when you get out of the shower, you know, make sure that you are you know, feeling for the lumps yourself because we know our bodies. And it's not just women that get breast cancer. And that needs to be, you know, shouted from the rooftops because men also get this diagnosis. 
And if you feel something in your body, whether it's a lump under your arm, and it may be a lump that, you know, has some pain to it, it may be a lump that doesn't have pain to it. And don't let that just go to the back of your mind and think, oh, that could be just a lymph node swollen. Well, that lymph node being swollen could be a, a precursor of you having breast cancer please make sure that you pick up the phone and you call your doctor. Let that doctor decide for you because we don't want that to sit and turn into something. Go and get your mammogram and tell everybody that you know to get their mammogram. Jennifer Bennett is executive director of the American Cancer Society of Mississippi. Coming up after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, the future of the fight for early voting in Mississippi. This is Mississippi Edition on MPV Think Radio. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing a doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The scuppering of Mississippi's ballot initiative process in the state Supreme Court earlier this year produced one significant immediate outcome. It killed a successful initiative, Initiative 65, which aimed to establish a medical marijuana program in the state. But that Supreme Court decision also imperiled fledgling initiatives still awaiting a vote. One of them was Initiative 78, which sought to require extended early voting in Mississippi. Early voting advocates like activist Kelly Jacobs recognizes the future of ballot initiatives in the state is fraught. But as Jacobs tells MPB's Kobe Vance, supporters of 78 still pin their hopes on the process. Representative Hester Jackson McRae is frustrated that the Mississippi legislature has not passed early voting. This legislative session, for example, there were five legislative options in the House and four legislative options in the Senate to try and bring early voting to the voters, but none of them got out of committee. So on April 1st, she filed the ballot initiative uh, number 78. It took four months for it to get approved. It was approved on August the 2nd, and now we have until July of 2022 to collect 106,190 signatures Uh, from registered voters in order to get onto the 2023 ballot. So a ballot initiative is very slow. It takes about two years or more to get on the ballot to approve um, from the voters. But there are also other legislative options. For example, if your listeners uh, would like to have early voting next year, or before the next presidential election, for that matter, they should contact their elected officials, whoever represents them, the governor, lieutenant governor, their Senate, their House representative, and say, hey, I really want early voting. What are you doing to support it? Because our legislature could pass legislation, you know, this coming uh, 2022, and then we, uh, we could all have early voting for every election. You mentioned that uh, Representative Hester Jackson McRae is involved in this. Are there any other lawmakers that are helping to promote this and engage with their communities to get gather signatures? All ballot initiatives really are nonpartisan, and any elected official is welcome to download the petition and collect signatures. It's actually a good reason to knock on the door of your constituents and find out, are they registered to vote so they can sign the early voting initiative? 
And if they're not registered to vote, to register them to vote so that they can vote for them. So we have a lot of special elections coming up on November the 2nd. And I know here in DeSoto County, we have a couple of candidates and they are collecting signatures on the ballot uh, for the early voting ballot initiative, which is allowing them to contact their constituents. And uh, there is a candidate running for Congress in the 4th Congressional District who uh, requested that I send him some petitions because he's collecting it. So uh, we have had elected officials sign our uh, petition, and we have had them ask to uh, receive a copy so that they can collect signatures. Is there anything else you'd like to share with Mississippians about the early voting initiative that y'all are trying to get signed right now? The bottom line is that our elected officials have had the ability and they've had the dialogue of giving us early voting for the past 20 years. But for one reason or another, they have not passed it. So please, if you are interested in having the convenience of early voting, don't let your elected officials say they have never had any of their constituents say they're interested in it. Download the petition, take it to them, take it to the Board of Supervisors meeting, ask them to sign it, take it to your mayor, ask them to sign it. Let them see that the people of Mississippi want to have more than one day of early voting. Kelly Jacobs is co-chair of the Mississippi Early Voting Initiative. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.